Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. It's game day, baby. Welcome to Hockey Central at noon on this, a Calgary Flames game day. Country Hills Toyota is your game day sponsor. I'm Peter Klein. Logan Gordon, our outstanding producer today. It's the Flames and the Jets. Warm up at five, puck drop at six. All of it here on Sportsnet 960. The fan one hour of hockey talk to get you geared up for that. Let's be honest, it's going to be uh, about 12 hours of hockey talk on this station uh, between now and the time Steinberg is done with overtime. Your texts always welcome at 960. 960. I can't wait any longer. I'm not going to make him wait any longer or you. Let's get to our Flames Insider, Peter Labardius. Flames Insider, Peter Labardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Lou, yesterday was a delicious appetizer for Flames fans. Now the main course comes today, Flames Jets uh, at 6 o'clock. I'm imagining you're a touch fired up for this one tonight. Uh, There's absolutely no question. And and a different fired up with Flames season openers, which unfortunately have not treated them very kindly. They have not won a season opener dating back to the year 2009. So they've lost 10 in a row. But... um, Peter, my fascination, my intrigue, use all the adjectives you want for, you know, the Mike Holmes property version brothers, um, but use all the adjectives you want. I just, I, I just can't wait to watch them in action. And tonight they're going to do it against a Winnipeg team that has some lineup questions, including whether Nikolai Ehlers will play or not play. But even if he does not, you know, the, the Jets feature a very deep group up front in particular with the likes of Shifley and Kyle Connor and if Ehlers plays and Wheeler and go on down the line. And we're going to talk about one new big addition for them a little later. But there's, there's just so many storylines. And the great thing about having an opportunity to talk about this team, Peter, I don't think we're ever going to be hard-pressed to come up with subjects this year because no. there, there, there's, there's so much new, even, you know, in his availability. And I chatted with Jeff Ward for the coaches show coming up, you know, on our pregame show, they, they like their new, they like their new house. They just don't know how all the appliances are going to work and how it's all going to fit together. And, and only time will tell. Um, so, the, like you said, uh, the the new look with the new furniture in the house tonight. Um, is there anything like? Well, obviously, the the answer to this is probably well everything. But it, are there one or two things from the Flames that you're really excited to to get your eyes on tonight in this matchup? Well, listen, Yusuf Valimaki. Just because I'm such a massive fan, I've liked what I've seen through training camp, two in her squad games. Have a you know, not a complete understanding because I'm not him, but the amount of work that has gone into what he's had to do to play an NHL game for the first time since game five of the series in 2019 against Colorado. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about that, but not unlike our conversations this week, I'm as interested and excited about, you know, putting the Lego pieces together and see how they fit. And 
big part is utilization and options and, 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 and. But until we start to see it against real competition, we know it looks pretty good. And I think there's not anybody that doesn't feel like this team isn't deeper, doesn't have more options. We just don't know how it's going to come together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and another interesting aspect of, again, how is this all going to come together um, is Gaudreau, Monaghan, and at least to start with tonight, looks like it's going to be Josh Levo on the, the right side for that group. Um, when we talk about, like, how is it all going to come together, also looking at how is that group going to be utilized tonight against a, a very, like you said, uh, a very tough, very hard-to-play-against Winnipeg Jets team. I'm fascinated to see how Gaudreau, Monaghan, and Levo look tonight. Well, in many ways, for me, it starts there because that that there are new combinations and there's nothing that's changed more. We don't need to delve deep again into, you know, the pairing in particular of Lindholm and Kachuk. That has changed the whole forward group, not to mention, you know, and Nordstrom and next little new additions. But the interesting for me, and I'm going to ask you this, has it changed for you in terms of how important those two guys have been? I know that our friend, Mr. Gordon, I think in some ways asked the question of the week when he talked about, you know, in the past, it's felt especially offensively that everything has gone through those guys. Now there are different options. And so to put it simply, guys, I could see a situation for this team, and I really think it's something to notice and keep an eye on, is they might actually average less ice time, but maybe find themselves being more effective because they don't necessarily have the same weight on their shoulders. They might not have to be in a position anymore to get all the tough matchups in terms of getting, you know, that 20 minutes of ice time. And I'm talking way more about five on five because we know that those guys in particular are going to be part of the power play and their minutes there, depending on the game and situation and really how it goes. But a big question mark with this team is five on five with more help and more options. Will they generate more five on five? And will they do it potentially with less minutes? And then the other question is for a lot of people, can you go there? And I think because of the potential, and again, it's not my favorite word, but with more options and the pairing of Lindholm and Kachuk, I can't wait to see how it plays out. And I think each and every game can be different depending on who your opponent is. Mm -hmm. And also depending on how they decide to match up against you. Because if they throw their top checking line or their top shutdown line out against uh, the Gaudreau Monaghan line, then Kachuk and Lindholm are going to feast. Um, and then it, vice versa, right? Like if they decide to go well, strength depending. on strength against De- them, right? 
like depending. So let's look at tonight. So that's what makes for a good conversation. So you've got Shifley's line, you've got Stastny's line, and and the trick of the trade when you're thinking about how you utilize people is Jeff Ward now and the coaching staff, I feel, has a group at its disposal where they're really moving into four-line territory that it could almost five-on-five, maybe not even, but with your top, I don't like to call them top groups or number them, you know that, but I could Mm -hmm. see a situation in non-special teams where everybody's kind of right around the same. So in a hockey game like tonight, you need to take care of Shifley. You need to take care of their big boys. But then what's left? So where do you win the matchups? And in each and every game, what generally dictates in many ways who wins is who dictates. So now I'm winning enough matchups. Now you have to go about your business different. Or do you dictate to me? So you know in the case of Paul Maurice, he's probably one safety line in that 20-minute range. The Stastny line, probably not much more down the road. You know, if Hillers plays or doesn't, it changes a little bit because then for Winnipeg, we know that the likes of Cup and Lowry and that group can really check. So it that's that's the thing when you look at the game. Who's going to dictate who? And where is the game going to change depending on who's really going and who isn't? Mm-hmm. No, and, and I think like that this is going to be something that we discuss a lot because, uh, again, these teams are going to see each other so much. And we've talked about the, the talent level in this division. I would say the brain power in this division also very high when you're dealing with coaches like a, a Paul Maurice on a, a night-in, night-out basis. I'm fascinated to see uh, specifically how they, they go about attacking that Gaudreau-Monahan line and how other teams uh, are attacking it. And I thought it was interesting, Lou, um, Gaudreau and Monahan both speaking to kind of understanding that last year was not their year and the importance for them this year. I do think um, how deep this team is takes some of the pressure off of them, but they're not going into it thinking like that. It, it does really feel like Gaudreau and Monahan understand that they, they need to be better for this team to take that next step. Well, and let's hear from Sean Monaghan because I know this. When you've been the go-to guys, you're probably not wanting or willing to allow somebody else to maybe even pass you for time and opportunity. Here's, here's Sean going into the season. Yeah, I mean, I think both of us didn't have our best seasons last year. And, I mean, whenever that happens, you want to bounce back. So, I mean, we're both motivated to, to push each other, to help push the team. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're really looking forward to this season. So, I think you, you can hear there, like, he, they, they both understand that last season did not end well. And um, specifically not for those two guys. So, very interested to see how they bounce back with it tonight. Um, chatting yeah, with our, our and, 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 Yeah, and again, and again, before we get to Logan, um, you know, those two guys get grouped together a lot. And part of this now is they've really been good for one another. How I think even internally, because I truly feel like Sean 
made some significant strides in his 200-foot game. How does Sean, in some ways, who's relied so heavily on Johnny to drive the bus and help him be a goal scorer of 20 or more every year, maybe how does Sean probably say, Johnny, we're just a little better in certain areas. We're going to have the puck more and be more dangerous. Mm-hmm. And that was something that Sean was definitely working on uh, last season. Um, chatting with our Flames insider, Peter Labardius, here on Hockey Central Noon, Sportsnet 960 The Fan, getting ready for the Flames and the Jets tonight. Um, we talk about a big addition for the, the Winnipeg Jets. It, it's a familiar face for, for <laughs> Jets fans as uh, uh, Paul Stasny uh, back down the middle for this group. Um, center was a, an obvious need for, for the Jets coming out of, out of the bubble. I mean, when you lose Shifley... It, it's not going to go well for you, but you could clearly see there was a depth issue there. Boy, did they fill it. I, I like this fit of Stasny with the Jets. What do you see there, and, and specifically for the Calgary Flames? Well, with Ryan Little's health situation and when he became unavailable, and who knows, unfortunately, I'm not sure we're going to see him play again in the NHL. I'm hoping that we we do, and for him that he has a chance to go out the way he would want to. In the playoff series, Peter, think about the void that that left. So now you're down, now you're down, you know, your number one and your number two guy. So with Shifley back healthy and Paul Stastny, they've found, I think, someone who really, if you will, solidifies that second Winnipeg scoring line. And if you're the Calgary Flames, you don't ever need to see Paul Stastny again. And I'll give you some numbers as to the illustration of why. He has 65 points against the Flames in his career to this point. That is 15 more points than he has against any other team in the league. So... You know, the 35-year-old veteran who's in the last year of a $6.5 million deal who was dealt from Vegas in the offseason, boy, oh, boy, he, he must feel like it's Christmas sometimes every time he goes up against the Flames. It's funny, and I'll say it on the air a couple of times probably tonight. We'll see. Oh, yeah, another game against Calgary, and Stastny's on the score sheet again. He always seems to be. But, you know, the bigger question and the way you laid it out is that was an area of need for taking double day off in the Jets. And you know what the other significant thing is, Peter? It's not his first time in Winnipeg. And he really, really enjoyed it there. It was a great fit. Remember, you know, he played a key role in them in their deep playoff run to the conference final. So... We'll see if it works works again. And I know against Calgary, it's generally going to work. How it plays out long-term against some of the other opponents, um, only time will tell. Yeah, he gets nine cracks at the Flames. With those numbers, he might win the Art Ross this year. Uh, that's, Lou, a good point. that's a good point by you. <laughs> Uh, Lou, always enjoy these. Um, we know it's a, a bit of a later work night for you tonight with uh, Game 1, Flames against the Jets, so we'll let you go a little bit early. Uh, thank you for this, and looking forward to breaking it all down tomorrow. Okay, guys, have a great afternoon. 
Flames Insider, Peter Lubardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering Air Miles Reward Miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Flames Jets tonight. Warm-up is at 5. Puck drop is at 6. Country Hills Toyota is your game day sponsor. Uh, Lou mentioned in there before, Logo asked the question of the week, talking about Gaudreau and Monaghan and different expectations for them. Luckily, Logo works at the station, so he's not eligible for Lou's mailbag, so you still have a chance. Sportsnet.ca slash 960. Tune in Fridays at noon to see if your question was answered. You can ask about the Flames, Junior Hockey, the National Hockey League, um, anything you want to, to send Lou's way. Sportsnet.ca slash 960. If you do get your question asked, then you're getting a $100 gift card to Ruth's Chris to use as soon as they are open. Winners will be selected weekly until the end of the regular season. Time for us to take a break. When we come back, we welcome back Eric Dehachuk to the program as we continue to get ready for the start of the regular season for the Calgary Flames right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. As if you need any help, we are getting you ready for the Flames and the Jets tonight. 5 o'clock warm-up, 6 o'clock puck drop here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan, it is opening day for the Calgary Flames after 10 teams in the, in the NHL got their seasons going yesterday. Very pleased to be joined by a Hockey Central regular. He is our NHL insider, Eric Dehachuk. Eric, happy opening day, sir. How are you today? I'm very good. A, a little bit tired because I stayed up and watched every minute of hockey I could yesterday from the very beginning to the very end. And I realized that sitting in your chair can be very taxing. I know it sounds counterintuitive, but just staring at the television screen for that length of time uh, was uh, was a bit of a challenge. Fun and interesting because opening night is always interesting and opening night in a year where you haven't played any exhibition games was just wild as far as I was concerned and uh, and fun too. So, uh, so but good. Yeah, looking forward to uh, even more time in front of the tube today. <laughs> uh, anything stand out to you? Obviously, it's one game. We don't want to overreact, but uh, also we, 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 get, we get paid to overreact. Um, anything stand out to you uh, about uh, the, the first games that we saw last night? Well, so, well uh, yeah, it's funny. I'm, so I'm writing my uh, first notebook column of the, of the week for The Athletic, and, and, and it, it struck me, again, when you watch these games sequentially, uh, especially the, the American games, so first you see... Tampa and Chicago, and I get that Chicago isn't very good, and uh, you know they they deliberately, I don't know what they were doing with their goaltending. It, it puzzles me to no end um, how they've mismanaged that, and then of course the you know the loss of, of Jonathan Taves really hurts them. But uh, but boy, Tampa looked good, and 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 so Tampa played and and rolled over Chicago, and then St. Louis played and rolled over Colorado, and Tampa is playing without its best player. Kucherov, and it did, didn't seem to miss a beat. And St. Louis didn't seem to miss Alex Petrangelo at all. Uh, you know, they were defensively sound to, you know, bordering on smothering against Colorado, which I think is the best offensive team in the league. Now, again, as you point out, one game, what does it mean? Like, I, you know, the, the three best players in the NHL, I think in most people's minds, are McDavid, Matthews, and McKinnon. All of them played yesterday. None of them excel. So, I mean, to me, I just dismiss that. It's just one game. It's two guys, It's three guys that are just going to need some time to get to, to get their sea legs, and they'll be good. But but that was the thing that struck me. You know, the the last two Stanley Cup champions, each playing without you know you could argue their their best player in the years that they won the Stanley Cup are. Uh, 
uh, you know, seem to not miss a beat. And that's, that's pretty impressive. Uh, another thing that kind of stood out, and I know uh, you, you don't need much convincing to try to keep this Canadian division around. You, you've been waving that flag for uh, a little bit now. But um, if last night was any indication, this Canadian division is going to be an absolute blast all season long. Yeah, 100%. And, and you're right. I've been on that soapbox. I will be on that soapbox all year. Um, again, you know, the, the commissioner poo-pooed it, uh, you know, his availability on, on, uh, on Monday. And by the way, that, you know, it's just you know, as an aside, I think this, these last 10 months have really aged Gary Bettman. Like, I, I see a discernible change in him in terms of tone and approach and, and just, you know, like even his normal enthusiasm level just doesn't seem to be there. But, um, but you know, he stressed over and over that this, you know, realignment is for one year only and it's designed to simply to, you know, to make the, the league safer and, and to avoid uh, border crossings. But, but in, in his mind, there is no way under any circumstance that this will, will go, you know, beyond this year. So I, I guess you have to take it on faith that that's the way it's going to be and to enjoy it while you can. And you're right. Uh, I mean, you know, eventually you know, there might be dog days in this year. Although I had a coach tell me this, that he thinks one of the things that will set this year apart is there won't be any dog days because it's just going to be so competitive and so close. Uh, but boy, you know, from here until May the 8th, if they can keep that level up, especially with no exhibition games. I mean, the, the level of hockey was pretty high. I mean, there were, there were mistakes, which, which I, you know, we all love. Why do we watch junior hockey, right? That it's more mistake prone than, than in the NHL, which sometimes can be very efficient. So when you take the talent level of the NHL and then you make it a little more inefficient because, you know, you're not going to have practice times because you've got a compressed schedule because you haven't played exhibition games. It, it, it's, it's fun and it's entertaining. And, you know, again, why do you sit in front of the television? Why are you glued in front of the television for nine hours like I was yesterday? You want to jump out of your seat a few times and, and ooh and ah. And it was back and forth and crazy lead changes and nothing was safe. And it sure felt like Montreal had that game won and then they didn't. So if we get more of that over the next four months, it's going to make these next four months pass faster. And then, you know, maybe when we take a breath on May the 8th and figure out who's in and out of the playoffs, the world will seem more normal outside of hockey as well. Chatting with our NHL insider, Eric Dehatchik, here in Hockey Central at noon. Uh, we are getting ready for the Flames and the Jets tonight. Uh, we haven't talked to you in a little while. Uh, what do you make of the Calgary Flames coming into, uh, again, a season like no other? Well, I, I enjoyed uh, listening to Bradshaw Living's conversation with Pat Steinberg yesterday because the one thing that he said right at the end of the conversation was the thing that's been on my mind the whole time, which is that it looks really good, but but how do you know? Like, how do you know until you get on the ice and, and you start to play it and have it all come together? Because, you know, suddenly you're playing against somebody that isn't wearing a, a red jersey and that isn't going to be a teammate going forward. So you cannot look at training camp, and, and even if it went as, about as smoothly as you hope, and imagine what it will be like when they get on the ice against the Jets. So, I mean, if they're down, you know, 4 nothing in the first period, it'll be like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> but, 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 you know, on paper, I, I like it. You know, I mean, I look at the list of players that have departed, and there were some very good NHL players on that list. And then I look at the players that came in, and there are some very good players on that list, and one player that has a chance to be more than, than good. And that's Jacob Markstrom. So if I look at last year's roster and I look at this year's roster, uh, it's a wash, except that there's an upgrade in goal. So that makes them better. And, and I think that, you know, if, you know, 
watching Vancouver play a lot last year. I thought that was a team that was that was improving, but the goalie, you know, covered up for a, a lot of mistakes that the team made. And I think the team got confidence playing in front of them that they felt that they could attack a bit more. Like the way Quinn Hughes evolved, the way Pedersen. I mean, that that type of play. Part of it comes from confidence in that if if you make a mistake, these guys they're so bold, right? I mean, they, they make a mistake, you know, they try it again the next time. I love that. That's how Gaudreau was when he started. That's how Patrick Kane was when he started. And and you see it with those guys. And I think having Markstrom back there as that safety net allowed them to, to play that way. And so I think you're going to see that here in Calgary, too. If Markstrom plays at the level he played at last year, where he was exceptional, where he was, you know, in the Vezina Trophy conversation, if he can bring that level of goaltending, that is that is more than what they got last year from, from two very good goaltenders, Riddick and, and Talbot. But this is a different level. And I think all the other pieces, you know, kind of offset, you know, the, you know, you know nobody's you know, demonstrably better than anybody else. You know, you shuffled. The chemistry might change a little bit, you know, like, but, but I think they are better in goal. So they should be better. And so I think they have a shot at, uh, at competing for the division title. I mean, I wrote months ago uh, when, when this was first announced, if, if you go back and look at the point totals of the top five teams in the Canadian division, even though they were playing in different divisions, like, you know, they either had 36 wins or 37 wins when the season was suspended. So essentially a dead heat. Those five teams were basically tied for first or fifth or whatever. And, and no one's made that many changes that makes you think that, that they're going to be that different other than, you know, possibly Vancouver, which lost a lot of players to Calgary. So I think those five teams are all going to be in there. And, you know, Montreal showed me, you, everybody last night that with the changes that they made, they have probably taken the greatest step forward. So they're in the conversation right now. So like, can you have a six-way tie at the end of the year and then have to have one of those complicated NFL tiebreakers to sort out the, you know, the, the standings? I don't know. But it's, I think it's going to be close and go right down to the wire. And it, it's, you know, as we talked about five minutes ago, should be a lot of fun. Um, looking at the, the opposition, the, the Winnipeg Jets, obviously last year doesn't end the way they wanted to, uh, with injuries at the end, just far too much to, to overcome. I was really hoping to see that series with, with both teams really at full strength. Um, but the, the Jets go out, they add Stasny, add forward on the blue line. What do you make of the Flames opposition tonight, the Winnipeg Jets? Well, I, I think the perception around the National Hockey League is that the, what sets Winnipeg apart from being like a true elite team is the fact that that their best defenseman is probably Josh Morrissey, who's who's a real good two, but not a not a true number one. And their next best is probably Neil Pionk, who's probably a good three, but but has to play as a two. So if you were to somehow graft a, a number one defenseman on the top of that defense core and then push everyone down, then with the pieces that they have in goal, because they do have the reigning Vezina Trophy winner and the pieces they have up front when everyone's healthy, you know, you know the top six, their top six rivals anyone's top six in, in the National Hockey League, they, they, they could potentially be an elite team. But, you know, the absence of that number one defenseman is, is a big hole. If you think about the teams that have won Stanley Cups or competed for Stanley Cups, you usually see, you know, a Victor Hedman there, right? Or, you, you know, in the case of St. Louis, that was Petrangelo. And when, when Drew Doughty was, you know, a dominant, you know, one of the top three defensemen in the game, in LA, one in, in, in 2012 and 20, you know, they, he made he was a difference maker. He was in the conversation for the con Smythe. Duncan Keith, all those years that Chicago was winning. So that is what Winnipeg lacks. Now, 
you know, I think that that hurts you when you're in a best of seven playoff series, when you just need somebody to take control of, of the game from the back end, and they don't have that. Over the course of a 56-game regular season, I think, I think that they have a serviceable defense, and a serviceable defense is probably going to be enough. So, you know, if, if worse comes to worse, you know, the, they, they can outscore the um, – you know, the, the, the issues that they have there, or you have Hellebuck as the last line of defense there. I think they were the stingiest team in Canada. If I remember, because I crunched these numbers a while back, but I think that, if, again, if you isolate those seven teams and, and rank them, they were probably the best defensive team in the league, even without an elite-level defenseman. If you could ever turn Patrick Laine into someone like that, like a Seth Jones or Zach Wierenski, or a player of that caliber. It'd be real interesting. Obviously, he'd be weaker up front, but it might be uh, the, the move that, that takes the Jets to the next level. But as they are constituted right now, a very formidable opponent, I would say. Eric, always enjoy these. Looking forward to having these uh, again on a, a weekly basis here on Hockey Central at noon. Thanks for doing this. Enjoy a plethora of more hockey tonight, and uh, we'll chat again next week. All right, thank you. Thank you. Uh, there is Eric Dehatchuk, our NHL insider, joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar for takeout and delivery. When you're tired of cooking, call 403-248-3344. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar at 6060 Memorial Drive in the Northeast. Time for us to take a break. When we come back, Gary Bettman spoke with the boys out in Toronto. A couple interesting notes from this one. We'll hear that conversation coming up next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Creeping closer and closer to game time. Flames, Jets, 5 o'clock warm-up, 6 o'clock puck drop here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan Country host Toyota, your game day sponsor. Gary Bettman spoke with the boys out in Toronto earlier today. Um, a few things have caught his attention. Obviously, that this has been quite a trying time for him. Uh, so some interesting notes here. Let's listen to the conversation now. I know it's probably difficult to remove the commissioner title, but as best you can, if you could park it for a couple of moments, I want to ask you about the opening of the Philadelphia-Pittsburgh game yesterday and specifically Wes McCauley's preseason address before he dropped the puck. I loved it. Everybody online loved it. Anyone who's watching that game loved that moment. What did Gary Bettman think of it? Uh, I thought it was terrific. It was here we are, we're ready to go. And it wasn't spontaneous. <laughs> by, by the way, hello guys, and it's good to be with you, and thanks for having me. But no, they, he, he didn't do that on his own. Uh, no, of course not, and that's planned. But the thing is, like, it sort of winks at this idea that now more so than ever personality is at the forefront of a lot of things that the NHL is going to do. And we, we've grown now to expect, a, you know, coming out of 0405, rebranding, more accent on the player. We've come to expect that more from players, but having an official, and specifically Wes McCauley, do that, I think a lot of people thought was a really nice touch. Well, you know, we, we find ourselves in unusual and strange times to state the obvious is about as understated as I could say it. Mm -hmm. And we can't connect with our fans the way we normally do. So we're, we're constantly focused on touch points that can make people feel 
connected to the game, even better about the game than they normally do. And what we're trying to do, and it, it underlies why we're playing, uh, we want to give a distraction. We want to give our fans a sense of normalcy. Uh, and, and I think that was part of like, okay, we've, we've had an interesting, to say the least, journey, whether it was with the return to play over the summer or all of the things that we had to do to get ready for this season. And here we are. Let's go do it. And there's a level of excitement and enthusiasm that we all, especially including the players, have to be playing. Berkey. Hey, boss. Thanks for joining us. Always happy to be with you, Brian. How you doing? Good, thank you. Um, congratulations on pulling off the bubble and awarding the Stanley Cup. It was legitimate. Uh, if there's an asterisk on that cup, it's because it was so difficult to win. And congratulations on getting the season back on track. What are your what are your impressions so far after one night? It, 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 you know, considering that, that there were no preseason games and it was uh, uh, a, a relatively short training camp, and in particular the officials haven't had a training camp or an opportunity to do much work, I actually thought we had a very good first night. You know, but, but we got a long way to go on this journey, and, and it goes without saying, so I'm going to say it anyway, uh, everything we're focused on starts with health and safety because if if the protocols aren't adhered to, if everybody isn't doing the right things and we're not keeping everybody safe, we're not getting through this season. And I know everybody who's involved in, in our games, again, particularly including the players, is focused on what we all need to do to stay safe, to stay healthy, both for the players and, and our office personnel, but also as well, for the communities in which we're playing. We're taking this all very seriously, but we are thrilled to be back in playing. Uh, Gary, I'll stop short of saying that uh, anything good will come out of this season, but there are some interesting things that could be turned into positives, and one of those for me is the uh, outdoor game in Lake Tahoe uh, without fans. Where do you see this going? Uh, there's obviously some beautiful, picturesque uh, places you could do this around North America. What, what are your intentions with that outdoor game? <laughs> I, I, I won't betray, be betraying any secrets when I tell you anything that doesn't involve fans while we're playing our games makes me extremely unhappy right. because our game and our fans get an incredible energy by virtue. Our, our, our games and our players get an incredible energy by what our fans bring to our games night in and night out. And we miss them terribly. Uh, we wanted to have a, an event something different, something special, something a little distracting, something we could all point to and maybe put a smile on people's faces. And that was the theory behind the Lake Tahoe games. But my preference is, is not to be staging games outdoors without fans. And, you know, the, the logistics of doing this isn't all that easy, uh, but what would make it even more difficult to set up in a unique spot and then try and build stands for for a large number of people as it relates to infrastructure and logistics doesn't work well. We have actually explored, you know, at, at, at the sesquicentennial for Canada, we talked about doing it on Parliament Hill. Couldn't, it doesn't work. It, it's just mm. too, it's too big an undertaking to put in all the infrastructure that you need to do it on any sort of practical basis. So we're happy to be doing this. You know, we'll, it, we'll review the experience and see what we can learn from it. But at the end of the day, I'm not a big fan of events that don't have our fans there. 
Um, for people that don't, that don't know Steve Meyer, he's um, one of the more creative um, people in the industry um, and is behind a lot of the things that we end up talking about and saying, oh, well, that's a, that's a neat thing that we didn't see coming or that's something uh, that I'm surprised the NHL is, uh, is trying to do. I'm curious, as a group, Gary, there might be a temptation just to look around other sporting leagues for inspiration or for ideas. Uh, but I know uh, I, I know Steve's vision is is greater than that. When you look around the world of not just sports but entertainment, what raises your eyebrow? Whether it's you know well, entertainment, whatever sports, and, and you say, how can we do this for hockey? Well, actually, that's a great question. I, I think we've we've done a lot of things that have been uh, uh, on the cutting edge and innovative. Whether it was uh, you know, have, having a, a draft uh, for the All-Star game, uh, having fan-selected teams, whether it's the outdoor games themselves, uh, so, and the format of the All-Star game and all the other events we put together. We, we look around. We see what, we, what, what everybody else is doing. Uh, we think we've, we've done a pretty good job of setting the tone with respect to that. Although most recently, to answer your question, I was intrigued by the Nickelodeon version of a recent NFL game. Uh, yeah, and I thought that I thought that I thought that was really creative, and kudos to them for for doing that. And I think we can all learn a lot. We we've we've in periodically whether it's it's using different languages for for play by play and commentary, whether it's second screen experiences using puck and player tracking. Uh, at the end of the day, we are constantly looking for ways to connect with our fans at all ages and at all levels of interest. So anything that can skew uh, the attention span of younger people, uh, the Nickelodeon audience, for example, to us, I think is a really good thing. Berkey? Gary, what's the latest on Seattle? They had a... They had a, uh, a setback with the practice rink, I'm told, but uh, they're on schedule to open everything set. Yeah, every I, I don't, I'm not sure there was any real setbacks. I mean, they're, they're, they've got a lot of moving pieces, uh, whether it's assigning seats uh, or continuing to sell sponsorships and build the arena and the practice facility. They're doing great. David Bonderman, who's the principal owner, and Todd Lywicki have it all going great. This is going to be one of the most successful franchises in the league, and, and having Seattle in the league, I think, is going to make our, our league and our game even stronger because they're committed to doing not just everything right at the at the NHL level, but as it relates to grassroots programs and building hockey in, in the state of Washington. I'm also excited, obviously, about the geographic rivalry they're going to have with Vancouver. But they, they, to say they're doing fine would be an understatement. They're doing great uh, across the board, and it's really phenomenal to see how well they're doing. You had uh, mentioned to Jeff about second screen experiences with puck and player tracking. Uh, where is puck and player tracking at? I understand this season would have upset the apple cart on, on a lot of things. Are, are you guys undergoing it for internal use right now? Should we expect to see it in the in the following season? No, we're actually using it. We used it in the last two rounds of the playoffs uh, from the return to play season, and it's up and operating in all buildings. But it, it, it's there's a lot to it. 
and the broadcasters uh, are experimenting with it and using it. And I think you'll see more and more uh, of the influence of puck and player tracking as the season unfolds. There are a lot of things going on with, with this shorter season and under the circumstances we're operating, uh, but puck and player tracking is alive and well. It's just a question of, of how it's going to get used, uh, used. And with all the other things that are going on, my guess is, at least for the broadcasters in the short term, it's being used, but it's probably not front and center. But it, it, it's alive and well. Uh, with the commissioner of the NHL, Gary Bettman, and it's wonderful to see um, the national, well, the Boston Bruins uh, retiring Willie O'Ree's number. So that goes to the Raptors. No one's wearing that anymore. And how the NHL uh, uh, will have, you know, decals uh, honoring uh, Willie O'Ree um, uh, and his, you know, over 60 years ago breaking the uh, the black color barrier in the NHL. I, I, I am wondering. Uh, outside of Mr. O'Ree, whether it's uh, Larry Kwong, whether it's uh, Fred Sasakamus, and I know that you had a, a special relationship um, uh, with the late uh, Fred Sasakamus, is there any plans or are there any plans to continue to look back at some of these uh, pioneers that broke a lot of barriers in the league? Uh, absolutely. Uh, one of the great things about our game is the history and tradition. And while we've got lots of history, we could probably still use to develop a few more traditions. Uh, but the, there is a legacy of a number of great players who broke barriers and needed great courage to, to do the things that they did. And we're going to continue to recognize them. Uh, Fred's passing was, was very tragic, obviously, the result of COVID. Yes. Um, and I'm really happy that I had an opportunity to get acquainted with him when we put on the outdoor game in Regina. So, you know, it, it's funny. You, you, you go to Regina to, to, to do one of the outdoor games. And in addition to having the fans uh, in large numbers and playing in the elements to have had an opportunity to really see the community up close and to build a relationship with Fred uh, really to me was a special treat. Berkey? So, Gary, when we get back to, <clears throat> excuse me, we get back to normal, hopefully, to whatever the new normal is, back on our calendar, hopefully immunization gets widespread. Uh, will we see a return to the, the trademark games that you have established in, on your watch, the international games and the outdoor games? Will we try to return to normal there as well? Uh, absolutely, Brian. Uh, there are things that we've been doing uh, that have become a hallmark of our season that are important. And we want to get back to normal as quickly as possible. But, but as we've always discussed, health and safety is paramount. So to have a season this year that was slightly abbreviated, to change the divisions, to deal with the realities of not being able to cross the Canadian-U.S. border, and also to limit travel to an extent and playing solely in the divisions, all of this is intended to reduce the risks uh, in the short term, obviously, anything we do is not risk-free, but with the 213 pages of protocols and the adjustments we've made in the season, uh, we think we're minimizing the risk. But i got to tell you, it, whether it's fans in the buildings or our events, we would like to get back to normal as quickly as possible. And everything we're doing is designed to put us back on track, the health of the world willing, for the 21-22 season. Uh, and 
there are other things that we'd like to be doing that we've had to put on hold. So uh, the sooner we can get back to normal, the better, but we never lose sight of the fact that we've got to deal with the pandemic like everybody else. Uh, and we're going to do the things necessary to get to the other side as strong as possible. Gary, this has been uh, very pleasant, so let me take this opportunity to upset at least Brian Burke and maybe you by asking about a potential change to the playoff format, and would we ever see a, a wild card game be a part of what the NHL does permanently? We're going up to 32 teams. The league likes money. This seems like an opportunity to, to help everyone out. Well, everybody likes money, so I don't think you should lay that on us. I think what we have <laughs> right. is, is, very, is very special. Uh, we have the most competitive regular season of, of the four major sports. Uh, the, the races to get into the playoffs go down to the wire. And because of the structure and the format we have, virtually every regular season game is meaningful. Uh, I don't see any reason to change what we have. I think, I think it's spectacular. Our first round of the playoffs is probably better than any playoffs anywhere in any sport. And, and, as we all know, winning the Stanley Cup is, is the hardest journey of all. So, you know, change for the sake of change, I don't see it. I, I don't think it would improve on what we have one iota. Even, as, uh, as you suggest, it might result in more money. So you're saying there's a chance. Uh, Gary Bettman there putting a, a bow on his thoughts on the, the postseason. Uh, that journey to that trophy that he was talking about uh, starts in the next couple of days for one of the teams who's going, or for the team that's going to win it, either yesterday or today. Flames hoping it is their journey. They take on the Winnipeg Jets. Five o'clock warm-up. Six o'clock puck drop. It's here on Sportsnet 960 Defend. That's going to do it for Hockey Central at noon. Coming up in the next hour, everything you need to know about Flames and Jets and everything you know need to know about the weekend in the NFL as we get ready for another jam-packed playoff weekend of National Football League wagering. Ian McMillan at 125 will help us get ready for that. That's Hockey Central at noon. Big show next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.